Greetings, and welcome to the Prospector's Pickaxe. I'm Dr. Chris Lineberry, the principal at Apache Junction High School and the host of this podcast. And uh, what we've tried to do with this podcast is remain relevant and talk about um, issues that we are facing from uh, leadership issues as a principal and as a father to um, the impact that COVID-19 and the the lockdown had on us as families and as individuals and as leaders. And uh, today I am honored to have with me um, (laughs) a guy that I've known since I think it was 2000. Is that right, Donald? Yes, sir. About 99-2000. So uh, I have a, a young man named uh, Donald Littlejohn on the phone with me um, doing this interview. And, and Donald was a student of mine when he was in ninth grade back in 99. And uh, I've been blessed enough to be able to stay in contact with Donald over the years and watch him um, become the man that he is today. And I will tell you that um, and as you hear him talk, you'll you'll understand what I mean when I say this, but this is a young man whose spirit, um, character, integrity um, are all as big and bold as he is as an individual. Donald is a uh, um, a bodybuilder slash weightlifter slash um, football coach, and uh, I know he's a beast in the weight room, and he's also an educator. So um, having a young man such as this with me today back in North Carolina, I am thrilled with. So Donald, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for just taking the time to reach out and value my opinion on these things. So I'm ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I know that uh, you got married a few years ago and you have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wife and, and an adorable little girl now. How old is she now, Donald? A year, year and a half? She is, uh, yeah, she's 17 months. Man. Wow. She's 17 months. Going on 17 years right yep. now. She runs the house right now. There you go, man. There you go. I, my, I tell you what, I never understood how uh, wrapped around a finger a little girl can get her dad um, until I had a little girl myself. And, uh, yeah, mine's got me. She's got me right where she wants me for sure. Um, but... One of the things that Donald and I, that I wanted to have Donald on today, he shared an experience that he had um, in a post on Facebook. And um, given what's going on with uh, race and inequity and um, just some of the brutality and ugliness that we've seen over the past month, I thought it'd be good to bring him on and let him share that experience as well as some of his other experiences of facing adversity and overcoming adversity and how he was able to do that. So, um, you know, first of all, what's happening in our country right now is both, I think, beautiful in so many ways and horrific in so many others. Um, I, I don't know what you're you know, what your perspective is on that, Donald, but it seems to me that this, this veil that has uh, been, been over the eyes of so many of us for so long has now been lifted. 
and so much of the ugliness that that exists in the world is now plainly visible in front of us in the in the form of hate and bigotry and um, brutality, really. Well, and, I think that also too, you look at it like um, racism and hate is no longer safe anymore. You know, um, I think for a long time in this country, you know, even if someone wasn't racist, they didn't want to stir the pot and call them out. You know, whether they were their own family members or you know co-workers, people would be scared. So now, what has happened is it's flipped, and now racism is a minority. You know, it's really. Um, you know, looked at in the way of, you know, I'm not racist or, you know, I don't want to be that. So now people are really have, having to take a step to not only not be racist, but be anti-racist, which is a totally different thing. You know, not being racist means you're not within yourself, but being anti-racist means you actually have to fight it. Whenever you're anti-something, that means you have to, you have to actually take steps and be proactive about fighting that situation. You know, you have to be proactive in, in, in many different ways. So you've got to declare not only not being racist, but also declare that you're against it. And also, too, you know, call out the people that are and, you know, make a stand. And, that, and that's what's really, really come from this on, on this standpoint. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's a time to pray. I think there's a time to speak. But there also comes a time to march. And, you know, marching, I think, can take on a lot of different forms, um, whether it's actually marching in the streets and voicing our, uh, our displeasure with whatever it is that's going on in society is one of our constitutional rights. And I'm incredibly grateful that we live in a country where we're able to do that. Um, but I think at the same time, Marching also means that, just as you said so well, Donald, when you see it or hear it, you call it what it is. And really, the only way to get better, I mean, I know that as a man, the, the only way that I've been able to improve my life is to stand and look in the mirror. You know, the man in the mirror doesn't lie. Correct. And I think our country is at a stand a position right now where it's looking itself in the mirror and it's saying, wait a minute, I don't know that we've lived up to who we've said we are. And the biggest thing too is when you look in the mirror, what do you see? You literally see your reflection. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let's break down that word of what reflection means. When we reflect on something, it's when we look deeper into it, we break it down and we try to figure out what is it made of. So now the company's having, I mean, the, the country, sorry, is having to reflect of who we are in the mirror, what we're made of, and what that means. There's different things you can do in the mirror every day. You can brush your teeth, you can wash your face, or you can put on makeup. But I think the, 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 the country's tired of putting on makeup and lying to ourselves of what we really look like. And I think now we're doing a cleanse. But now I think we're brushing our teeth, we're washing our face, we're, we're cleaning ourselves up for who we, who we really look like and who we really are and, and trying to really, really you know, change that before we're trying to put makeup on something, you know? Absolutely. And the other thing is, though, if you're going to look in the mirror, you got to be willing to see what's really there. There you go. There you go. And if who you are 
if you don't like what you see when you look in the mirror, then I, I think you're in a really tough spot. And I think that's where the, that's where the, uh, the disconnect comes. That's where the inter- in- internal conflict comes, when the inside and the outside don't meet. Um, who you want to be isn't who you see looking at you. And who you say you are isn't who's looking back at you. Um, and I think we're really at a point as a country where we're looking in the mirror and we're saying, wait a minute, you know, all, all men are created equal. You know, these truths we find, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I can't do that with a knee on my neck. Why don't you, uh, why don't you share, um, your experience as, uh, as a young black man that you and I talked about um, and that you posted on Facebook. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll share first um, a little bit about my history. Uh, I came from a two-parent household. Both parents were educators. Both parents had master's degrees. Uh, you know, and around this time also, too, uh, my parents were were blessed to, to work so long as teachers. They were able to build their own house. And, you know, just, you know, I had a very good upbringing. Uh, education was in the forefront. Uh, you know, good grades was a must. You know, playing <laughs> sports, etc. You know, just, just just treating people well. Um, I say that because you know I went to college, and um, on this particular day, regular day, I was leaving the library uh, midday. You know, so maybe two to three o'clock. Um, and the car I was driving was a was a '99 Honda Accord. This is about 2007. So, you know, cars roughly eight years old, clean, no tents, no rims, no loud music, um, no indicators of what you would think will cause a man to get pulled over in the middle of the day. So, you know, just basic factory cars. So, um, right as I'm leaving campus, um, a cop car was waiting on the corner, pulled me over, okay? Um, and as they pulled me over, you know, I kind of rolled down my window. I said, hey, what is this about? Have I done something wrong? I didn't run the light or anything like that. Um, he said, just hold on. So, right after that, you know, maybe a minute later, another cop car pulls up and another one pulls up. So, there's three cop cars behind me. And um, he comes back over and says, hey, you know, if you don't mind, can we search your car? And I said, I mean, okay. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say no because, you know, I don't understand um, the rules and things like that at that point. But I told him, okay. You know, I, I, so he said, you know, please text the car. You know, it's not called for my, ask my license at all at this point. Just, so, um, I think it was the, the last two cars had dogs inside. They, they all, you know, maybe about three three dogs came out, sniffed my car, didn't find anything because I'm, uh, I don't, I don't smoke or even drink. But, uh, you know, in the middle of almost a college campus, my car is getting searched uh, for no reason. And they finally asked for my license. You know, obviously it cleared. And I asked them, you know, what was this about? They said, you know, I'll take the description. And I'm like, wow, you know, you think to yourself, like, well, what description did I meet? Right. Um, a bit upset because, you know, it's, it's the middle of the afternoon on a college campus. I'm not speeding, you know, the stereotypical situation that you would think. You right. know, you may say, well, you got pulled over because your tent was too dark. You got pulled over because, you know, your car looked like it wouldn't pass inspection. Or looks like it has, you know, these big rims, you know. Things that they would use, use to stereotype uh, someone by nature. You know, I didn't have those. So, you know, when people always use excuses of, well, 
it's not because you're black, it's because this, I didn't have any of that except for I was simply a black man in a car. That's it. Nothing else. In the middle of the day, you know, so, you know, with the embarrassment of just, you know, being in the middle of a college campus almost getting my car searched for no reason, you know, who knows? You know, I could have been in a rush, you know, to go to, to work or anything. Just knowing I got stopped for that, you know, made no sense. And, you know, another situation was, um, me and one of my fraternity brothers, we were in Walmart, and I had already purchased my items. So I thought, I'm going to walk outside. Um, I sat on the bench right outside of Walmart, and in a similar situation, a uh, cop just walks up on me and says, hey, uh, if you don't mind, can I see your license registration? I mean, or, or license. And I didn't understand why. So I'm just sitting here outside of Walmart, not doing anything. The other day, um, same situation. You know, I gave him my license. He, he, he walked away, checked it, brought it, gave it back to me. Here you go. I said, same thing. What's this about? And we've got a call from, you know, somebody in the area. You know, you kind of look like them. You know, we have to check it out. You know what I mean, Bobby? But, you know, I'm like, man, so just by sitting, you know, who, who would do something wrong sitting on the outside of Walmart? You know, sitting down. You know, I'm not homeless. You know, I'm, I'm not just sitting there. So, you know, you think about those situations of where, you know, thank God nothing, nothing violent happened. But also, too, I'm also thankful that I just fly in that situation. I didn't fight right. anything, but who knows? You know, you hear stories of people knowing their rights to the point where they do fight it, and even though and they fight it with, you know, maybe raising their voice, the police officer gets upset and and and, and does something different. You know, and, and and I am in no way saying police officers are bad, right? Or right. you know, don't go, don't, don't don't. I'm just talking about the situation that I was in, mm-hmm. where I was stereotyped for obviously the way I look. Um, and you know, earlier I described, you know. With you being a past, you know, teacher and me being a current teacher, I talk about, you know, a teacher being the police officers of schools and how that same situation can very much happen within a school day. And if that happens to the wrong student, it can leave a lasting effect on, hey, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting here. You know, imagine you you you, you jump on the wrong kid um, and accuse them for doing the wrong thing. Uh, imagine what that's like you know, to that kid. And, you know, a lot of times as teachers, you know, I, you know, I, I, I try not to ever react off of emotion. And right. not all teachers do that. Not all teachers <clears throat> always do that. They react off of emotion. They react off of frustration. It could be lack of sleep. It could be fatigue. It could be all types of deals. And they make a wrong decision based off of, you know, internal racism, internal hate. And you mix that with emotion. That's when you get the situation coming. Yeah. Well, you know, the 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 litmus test for me is always, uh, what are you going to say to somebody? You know, we all say we don't have bias. Yeah. If somebody cuts us off in traffic. Exactly. First thing you do is you smoke their race. You, you, and, 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 and first thing you do is you describe what they look like. You make a you make a judgment immediately based on the fact that they cut they cut you off the kind of vehicle they're driving and the kind of person that you think they probably are without for a moment, do I think, and I I don't want to say you, let me, let me say me because I can only speak of my experience. I don't want to put words in other people's mouths and and I'm not necessarily talking about you, Donald, but, but anybody who's listening, um, 
What I don't do is I don't put myself in their shoes. I don't see others necessarily as I see myself. And when I do that, I take away the fact that maybe they cut me off and are flying down the road because they're going to the hospital and somebody they love is sick. Or maybe they're driving slowly because they've just found out they've lost somebody and they're not focused, Um, which may or may not be safe. That's not the point. The point is that we're all human beings and we all share the same human experience when it comes to who we are. uh, I remember one time in particular, I think I was in I was in college or high school. I was driving down a one-way street, and there was this car in front of me going extremely slow. And I'm just like in a rush, like, "Oh my gosh, what in the world? Like, what's wrong with this person?" You know. So it got to the point where I beat my horn. They didn't speed up at all. But it got to the point at the end of the street. It was a traffic light, and it split in two. And I went to the right side, and they went. They stayed in the middle lane, and I looked over. And what I saw was an old, older black woman, okay? And she probably didn't even hear me beat my horn. She didn't even look over at me at all. She was trying to focus on the street. And in that moment, I instantly saw my grandmother. And even though she wasn't my grandmother, that's what I saw. Yep. And then I put myself there. Well, imagine if your grandmother was driving slow, okay? She has no one else to drive, and she's trying her best. And someone else who's in a rush... You know, so frustrated, you know, that they look over and they mean mug her or they do something, you know. Imagine that. So put yourself in a situation of being careful about what you do when you're frustrated or in a moment of hate, you know, type of situation when you're in a rush and blah, 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 you look over and all of a sudden, man, someone's staring back at you who reminds you of somebody you love. Be careful, you know, be careful how you act in the moment because. You know, I had a conversation with one of my white friends two weeks ago when all this happened. He said, well, Donald, you know, and we're, we've been friends since kindergarten. So, and, right. and, he voted for, and he voted for Donald Trump. And I like the fact he voted for Donald Trump because we're still friends. Yep. And we have different opinions. So sometimes you don't want to have friends that are just like you. Because right. then you don't really, really get a chance to see things from other points of view. So me and I were having a conversation. He says, well, you know, I get it. You know, people are mad about, you know, this guy dying and blah, blah, blah. You know, but, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I said, let me say something to you. I said, imagine if it was me. And he instantly said, oh, well, I get it now. Because when I put myself as that black man, and he cared about me, and he knows who I am, it is different then. It is different. And I said, I guarantee you, your point of view. So I said, even, I said, I don't expect you to care for a random man you don't know dying. I said, I'm being I'm be realistic, but I said, imagine if it was me, and you heard that somebody had, you know, murdered me, a police officer, based on the way I look, regardless of my background, I said, it would hit you a little bit here. Yep. So I said, before you start to think insensitive comments, make sure you place somebody you care about in that position, and it kind of changes your perspective a little bit, you know? It's... Yeah, absolutely. And I think that those conversations and what you said about if people have a different opinion, that's not a bad thing, 
are what we're lacking so much now. You know, so much of what we've what we've become has been if your idea doesn't match my idea, then I go straight to name calling and I'm not ever talking to you again. Instead of what needs to happen, which is sitting down and having a conversation about it and respecting that you have as much right to your viewpoint as I have to mine. What I don't have a right to do is force my viewpoint upon you, nor do I have a right to treat you differently based on your color of skin, based on your socioeconomic status, based on the car that you drive, based on any of that stuff. And I think that, you know, I've been reading a lot of, uh, you know, when I taught Donald, I was an English teacher. This was before I became a principal. And we did an entire section. I don't know if you remember this or not, Donald, but we we did an entire section on um, poetry. And we read Walt Whitman and we read Langston Hughes, um, the, two of my favorite poets, um, and both for similar reason that they, they both weren't afraid to speak the truth. And um, we talked about the differences in the early poetry of wearing the mask where so much of the uh, the desire to be free was was spoken in spirituals during when slaves were working in the fields, they would sing these spirituals and what they were really doing was giving direction and how to run the Underground Railroad and spreading hope to one another. Um, to coming right out and saying what was meant. But both men believed in the dream of America. Um, And there's a poem by Langston Hughes called um, Freedom's Plow. And in part of it, he says this. He says, America is a dream. The poet says it was promises. The people say it is promises that will come true. The people do not always say things out loud nor write them on paper. The people often hold great thoughts in their deepest hearts and sometimes only blunderingly express them. Halting and stumbling say them and faultily put them into place. The the people do not always understand each other, but there is somewhere there the always the trying to understand and the trying to say, you are a man and together we're building our land. Correct. You know the there was, a, there was a quote I heard many years ago, and it made sense. And it says, "All that I know is that I know nothing." Yep. And I mean that because we all are born with, you know, intuition and, and, and somewhat common sense. And if you base life on what you feel, like I look at my daughter. My daughter has, you know, she. My daughter is African American and, and Dominican, but she has a white babysitter, uh, childcare, and. And she loves the same. There's other white kids there, and there's another mixed kid there. And those kids play together, and they don't they don't know race. All they know is what they feel. Okay. Mm-hmm. And naturally, kids it's sad because a one year old can speak more about life than a forty one year old because a one year old does things based off of just feeling 
in nature. And a 41-year-old is going to do things based on what they've been taught. Yeah. So a one-year-old doesn't know anything, yet they don't see any type of race or difference. So all that I know is I know nothing. But sometimes the less we know, the better people we are. Because not everything we know is true. You know, not everything we know is about feeling. Sometimes what we know has been taught to us and is wrong. You know? Um, and that's the biggest thing. You know, we, we, we section kids off. We, you know, in, in, in education, we, we label kids so early to tell them who we think they are instead of letting us figure it out. I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the years a, a child has taught me something about myself. Every day, Donald. Because of the doubt I had in them. Every day. Um, you know, I can't, I mean, just, you know, the same kid that's, you know, and so it really changed me as a teacher, you know, even being a strength and conditioning coach where when I first started teaching weightlifting, I always focused on the biggest and the strongest kids. Those are my pride and joy. Those are my children. Those are my look at what we're doing. Those are my proof that I was good. It wasn't until I started focusing on the smallest kids in there that I really became a great teacher. It wasn't until I saw, I started building confidence and started building muscles that I really saw myself as a great strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Because the body's going to grow over and over again because of repetition. But that doesn't mean the mind's going to get stronger. That doesn't mean confidence is going to be there. So when I saw kids getting stronger who were, you know, your stereotypical, you know, just really, really smart kid, if you will. You know, you're here, here. With all these, your TV nerds, and they're in there, you know, working hard and and and, and gaining confidence. And you got a good relationship with them because your athletes are going to do it with what you want anyway. It's the non-athletes, yeah, is what you learn. So why can't we apply that same thing in life? You know, why can't we be proud of people who are, are constantly making us question our biases? Be proud of people who are, you know, constantly, you know, making us question everything we thought about life within itself, you know? It, I, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, you know. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we talk at Apache Junction High School. We're, we're the prospectors. Our, our school is at the foot of the Superstition Mountains, um, which are ladled with gold. And... We talk about the fact that at Apache Junction High School, as prospectors, we mine human potential. And as educators, I believe that it's our job to see the untapped resources and abilities in kids and bring that to the forefront. And we don't always have to know what they are. We just have to know that something's there. Every child on my campus has value. Every child on my campus um, has that gem, that that value that's inside of them. And it's my job as an educator to knock away the rock and the shale that covers it up and help them to be able to discover it. And the, the beautiful part about it is that at the end of the day, I may help mine their potential. And although... Um, <sighs> In helping them to do that, we all become richer. And, and, and it's funny because, you know, when I was younger, 
around, you know, 96. I was in, you know, middle school. And I remember Tupac had the saying, he was the rose that grew from concrete. And I didn't understand what that meant. You know, I didn't understand the, the real depth of what that meant. You know, when you think about concrete, you think about it being, you know, it doesn't move. Dirt needs to move. You think about it being cold. And you think about anything up underneath concrete does not get sunlight. So it's nearly impossible to grow any type of flower or anything of beauty from concrete. The only thing that's really going to grow from concrete is maybe weeds, you know, things like that. So when you picture a rose, you know, something beautiful, something that needs sunlight, water, growing from concrete, an environment in which it's the opposite. That right there within itself is the definition of don't label somebody. Don't don't box somebody in what you think they are based on environment or based on what you think they should be doing. Because people, I guarantee every single person in this world who, who has done amazing things, okay, had one person in their life that could have changed their whole entire, you know, uh, journey. One person that says, oh, they're not going to do it. If they had based it off that one person, imagine what they would have done. If they had based it off that one person, imagine what they would have done. You know, you know that's that's from entertainers to businesses to athletes. Anybody that's done anything amazing, if they for one day in their life, you know, had somebody tell them they couldn't do it and, and, and change their mind, there'd be a lot of things that never got done. Inventions, um, world records, things like that. You know, so in a world full of world records and, and inventions. Racism doesn't really have a place, a place because the truth is right there that anybody of any race, of any time, of any age is capable of doing anything. Amen. Why would you ever put yourself in your mindset to think that they're not able to? Why would you ever want to put yourself in a box? Racism comes from fear. Hate comes from fear. We hate and we fear what we do not understand yep. or, we, or, or what we find as a threat to our own confidence. So this thing makes me step outside of my box. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a label myself as this. So if you're not like me, I, I hate you and get away from me. Yep. And we never grow. We never grow. You know, I, I uh, <laughs> we just did our graduation not too long ago, and I told my students in my um, commencement address that what this world needs is more love, more kindness, more grit. And more of them than it's ever needed before. Yep. You know, um, and uh, you know, as a teacher, you know, we do this job. I can tell you, I do this job, and my why is you, Donald Little John. My my why. My why is 20 years after I've had you in class, being able to have a conversation with a man who's leading, who's a good father, who um, is a good husband, who um, takes care of himself, who inspires and lifts other people up. And, you know, to think that any of us as educators get to have any small hand in helping to develop that, man, that's that's the why. That's the good stuff. And it's funny because, you know, I haven't been educated nearly as long as you have as far as wisdom, as far as experience. 
And it's funny because me and you really, I mean, this, this podcast can last for hours. We talk about the random occurrences me and you have had over the years from phone calls to in person. Yeah. That God let us know. Like, God let us know early, you know, we were going to be in each other's lives, yep. you know, hundreds of miles away from each other. But I say that because, you know, you were my favorite teacher growing up. And so, even to the influence of, you know, when I first went to college, I went to be an English major because of my ninth grade class. Even though I changed my major to be, you know, kinesiology and physical education, I still to this day, I love to write, I love to articulate, I love to tell stories, I love to teach. So what's funny is I still think I instruct my own class as if I was an English teacher. Right. You know, I've I, I brought an English, you know, classroom mindset into the weight room the way you articulate, but also too, the way you taught us, you cared about all of us. Yeah. And, you know, it was very important, you know, that, you know, you reached out to us and, 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 and checked on us. And, you know, I remember, you know, and I'm going to tell the story, you know, where, you know, you set us up, we were a regular English class, you know, and you set us up against an English class of honors. And both classes were supposed to read a book. And we did a, you know, Jeopardy-like game in the library and you know you kept talking to us about how good we were and things like that and, you know we ended up losing the game but we barely lost it came down to maybe like the last question we had him on the ropes Donald yep and, <laughs> you know you, 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 you're talking about regular kids and you know a lot of kids in my class too you know we're not supposed to be you know on that level yeah, you know, we came down and honored kids, kids that are, you know, supposed um, to not only read the book, you know, probably write their own books one day. And we're going toe to toe. And that came into how you believed in us. And you didn't focus on the biggest and strongest readers in the class. You focused on every kid, the kid that had trouble reading, the kid that needed extra time. The point where they, you know, remember that information. You know? Yeah. But imagine into the classroom with stereotypes. Imagine this, man, I gotta I gotta teach these regular kids, they're not gonna get it. I'm just gonna teach it and we'll see, we'll see who lasts. You didn't do that. You reached us all. Well, and you know, you you can't do that if you're an educator. Correct. Because if you believe, you know, if you really dig down into why it is that we got into this field, you can't believe deep down that that kids can't do it. Otherwise, you're not going to square with the man in the mirror. You know, because what what you're saying and what you're doing is different than who you who you really are. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like I taught you guys much. I feel like you guys taught me a whole lot. Um, you taught me about myself. Um, I, I remember at one time going through a, a very difficult time and um, this was after I had left Albemarle Road and before I came to Independence. And one of my kids coming up to me afterwards and saying, uh, yo, Mr. Lineberry, if you want me to take care of that for you, me and my boys will go do it. And I obviously didn't want that to happen. But the fact that a, a kid was willing to... to to potentially put himself in jeopardy because he didn't want to see me hurt was, was really, really powerful. Um, 
And, and I'm grateful for the experiences that I had there because they've shaped who I am as an educator today. Um, I got to work under some great leaders in Rick Henson and Russell Scrow. Um, and I got to work with some amazing kids. You know, I got to work with you. I got to work with Pano. I got to work with Chris Leak. I got to work with Dante. I got to work with, you know, um, I can't remember his last name. His first name was Gary. Um, my gosh, I can't remember Gary's last name. But man. Gary White? Uh, I can't remember. Tavares Covington. You know, Kevin Covington. Um, gosh, I can't remember Gary's last name. Big tall kid. Probably 6'3". I remember one day, you know, Gary was involved in some bad things. He had gotten involved in gangs at one time and one day I caught him skipping class. And this was after he had gone out of my class a year or two later. He was probably a sophomore or junior. And I said, Gary, you need to go to class. And he's like, man, I hate that class. And I said, Gary, I'm going to walk you to class. And this big, tough kid who'd been involved in fights and everything else, I said, Gary, do I have to hold your hand and walk you to class? And he's like, come on, man. And I said, Gary, give me your hand. Gary gave me his hand and I walked him to class. <laughs> I walked him to class holding his hand. Um, because it really show, it shows that really want. The, it, they really want that. He's a, a lot of people really, really, no matter how big they are or what they've gone through, they really want somebody that they never had to hold their hand and walk them and show them. And they act off of frustration. They, off, they act off of people giving up on them and yeah. not doing that. So. You know, if I want you to hold my hand for so long, but instead, you know, you're trying to control me in, in, a, in a disciplinary, you know, uh, uh, type of way, then I'm going to give up and never ask that help. You know, it's too late once, once they're adults sometimes. He was, unfortunately, he was a great kid. I, I don't, I, I really enjoyed my time at Independence when I was there and getting to work with all of you. Um, definitely helped to shape my life and, and make me the educator and, and the man that I am today. Um, before we wrap up, Donald, um, I know that you work with a lot of young men um, in your sports programs. Um, and, you know, I, I guess as we, as we wrap up, one of the things I like to ask people is, what, what's one thing that the world really needs to know from the the depths of the mind of little John. What's one thing the world really needs to know right now? There's one thing I can say that can really, really reflect off of what's going on right now is, um, read, man, read. And I say read because um, we, I tell you what, the world needs the world needs to read the book, The Energy Bus. Okay, and and the reason is because The Energy Bus is, is a phenomenal book. It's an easy read, but pretty much it talks about you control your day based on the energy you choose to put out and to adapt to. Okay, regardless of whatever situation you are put in. Your own personal energy can change that. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it with that because that book is so phenomenal and I don't want to give it away. But read the book, The Energy Bus, 
and you'll you'll see why I say that's one thing the world needs right now. Well, Donald, it has been a, it has been a pleasure to talk with you this morning. I am going to close out with some words from my good friend Langston Hughes, who uh, who says in in uh, Freedom's Plow, um, all men are created equal. No man is good enough to govern another man without that other's consent. Better die free than live as slaves. Who said these things? Americans. Who owns these words? America. Who is America? You and me. We are America. To the enemy who would conquer us from without, we say no. To the enemy who would divide and conquer us from within, we say no. Freedom, brotherhood, democracy. To all enemies of these great words, we say no. A long time ago, an enslaved people heading toward freedom made up a song. Keep your hand on the plow, hold on. That plow plowed a new furrow across the field of history. Into that furrow, the freedom seed was dropped. From that seed grew a tree, is growing, will ever grow. That tree is for everybody, for all America, for all the world. May its branches spread and its shelter grow until all races and all people know its shade. Keep your hand on the plow. Hold on. This has been Dr. Chris Lineberry with the Prospector's Pickaxe. I want to thank Donald Littlejohn for his time today and uh, remind all of you to take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Prospector strong. <laughs>